going to ask a question out of what we've already talked about. Um, we'll start two birthdays we talked about. Two birthdays. All right. Can um, put your hand up if your second birthday, the time you gave your life to Jesus, uh, you were under 10. If you're under 10 and you had your second birthday. Under 20 when you gave your life to Jesus. All right. Everyone, keep your hands up. Look around the room. Just have a look around the room. Under 20. Over 20. Put your hand up when you were over 20 and you gave your life to Jesus. You guys, really proud of you. Because it's not an easy decision the older you get to actually make decisions. Because oftentimes there's greater sacrifices. Oftentimes there's more misunderstanding. Oftentimes there's a trajectory going one way and then you're choosing another. Today, I've been invited to speak about. I was actually, I wasn't actually given anything to speak about, um, but I knew what you were doing. So I, I said to John Wendell, I said, "How about I speak on what is the church, but be very focused on one element of that?" And so the message today is about generations, and it, it didn't take long. I, honestly, we could put our hands up right now, and and we're going, "Wow!" Most of most of the people in the room had their second birthday or made their decision to follow Jesus when they were under 20. I'm going to give you a whole lot of stats today. Normally when I go around and speak, and I, there's a message I'll be speaking that I've spoken before. I've never spoken this message before, and yet I've lived it out all my life. And so it was actually written for us here today. It was actually, a, it's not adjusted from anything else. I'm actually going to redo it tonight where I am in our church, because we're wrestling through the same thing with generations. Just as a recap, a few things. What have we learned about what the church is so far? We've been doing what is the church? What have we learned? Throw, throw a few ideas out there. I'm going I'm to add generations to the mix tonight, today, but what have we learned so far? Any thoughts? Reuben was actually listing them off to me. Oh, okay. Reuben? He's gone. Community? Up, in, out? Yeah. Yep, but these are the things that Reuben... Reuben listens, hey? <laughs> so community, worship. You will learn a whole lot about what the church is as we look through the scriptures. Uh, a few things I just want to throw out today. I'm a very practical and pragmatic kind of person in a lot of ways. Um... But as I read the New Testament, here's what I notice. Letters were written to places. If you think through the New Testament, Ephesus, it was a circular letter, but it was to a region in Asia Minor. Colossi, Colossi Philippians, um, that was up into Macedonia. You've got all these letters that were written to different places, Corinth and all the rest of it. And the letters that weren't written to cities were tended to be written to leaders of places. So Titus was written to Crete. Timothy was actually about Ephesus because he was leading Ephesus, leading Ephesus at the time. So, so much of the New Testament, Testament is written to places and written to spaces. And it made sense because Jesus gave, going to all, you know, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, this sense of place. And the church in history has actually gone to place. So I'll give you an example. Um, you've already done it today. Spain. I hear you talk about Spain all the time. Why? Because you had a calling to a place, to, to Spain. 
Uh, if somebody comes and shares about going on mission, they, they, they generally don't say, I'm going to Africa, or I'm going to Asia. They'll actually have a people group that God's called them to go to. That's, that's kind of how it works. And we have a place, St. Clair. I'm going to give a few stats about St. Clair in the context of generations. And I guess they're the sort of things, of, as we think about what is a church, we've got to think about place. But also, I want to really push into the generations. Uh, there was a stealth attack on St. Clair Baptist Church recently. That wasn't an attack. There was a stealth move. Did any of you meet Natalie when she came? She came to worship with you guys, young, young girl. So Natalie is part of Penner City Chapel, and, 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 and we were, were talking about a, what's going on the, in, the, in the youth world. And I said to Natalie, I said, well, before we just focus on Penner City Chapel, could you, do, could you do me a favor? Could you go around and actually go to all the, and, and go to all the Baptist churches, particularly in the region, because um, we have an evening service, go to the morning service, and just get a lay of the land, get an understanding of what's happening in the youth world, because she wanted to push into a regional sort of youth initiative, the regional youth stuff. And I said, well, let's get an understanding of what's going on, because we're going to do regional, we need to know what's, what's happening. So she came here, she came went to Emmy Plains Baptist, she touched base with Church of Christ at Penrith as well, she went to St Mary's, and then went to St Mary's and New Horizons, joined to St Mary's, she went back to St Mary's, um, Colton, and we just basically went around Penrith Baptist, all to, all to all the churches. And she came back and said, Mark, I'm giving you, I've got some information. When I tallied all the teenagers together of all the Baptist churches in the region, she said there's six. That's all of them, there's six. And that's a very sobering statistic because I just asked everybody, when did you give your life to Jesus? And we've all shot up our hands. I'm, I'm there, I'm the same. In fact, I... I had a rebirth of 12, lost the plot, and then reconnected again at 17. Jesus loved me all the way through those five years. I'm very happy with that. But during, the, not only did I make a decision for Jesus during those years, I went on a journey of, of figuring out faith over that period of time. So I just wanted to give that as a bit of a background. I guess when we're asking what is a church, we're asking what's going on around us, and Lord, what are we called to here and now? Okay. I've divided the message up into three things. And the first one is, is running a generational race. The second one is passing it back, and then the third one is cheering off. This part about running a genera generational race, I want to read some scriptures to you. If you look at Psalm 145, verses 4 to 7, it says these words. Let each generation tell its children of your, of your mighty acts. So let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will, I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. I reckon we could all just make declarations right now. Say we opened up and said, tell us what you think about Jesus. You'd all go crazy with it. I'd actually say that. I've actually got my shirt made on Vistaprint because I, I, for me, Jesus is amazing and I've read so many times in the Gospels that they were amazed at his teaching or they're amazed at his miracles. And I thought, I want the, the world to be amazed at Jesus again. I want the next generation to be amazed. That would be my story. But all of you guys would have those stories. But in Psalms, it says, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. 
that each generation make the declaration. That's Psalm 145. If I go to people in the scriptures, they understood this, probably better than we do. So Abraham, we read in Genesis 15, he's, the, he's called to start. We, you know, remember, remember the old songs? Those of you who see, many of you made decisions earlier in life, so you know the song, Father Abraham had many sons, and we used to sing that, and I used to think, this is going to be pretty weird if someone just walked in thinking, who is Father Abraham? They'll be looking around the room for Abraham. But we used to, but, but we knew that, because that we are, we are one of them. You know, we, we are one of them. And we read that from Genesis 15. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of the faith. So we read that, and we know that, that generations need to keep coming to the Lord. And we know that it says in, in Hebrews that Abraham's the promises to Abraham weren't fulfilled in his lifetime. And we know that numerous as the stars, that was never going to be fulfilled in his, fulfilled in his lifetime. So we know Abraham, when God started to establish his people, when he said, when he gave the promises in Genesis 12, he confirmed the covenant in Genesis 15, he's, part of that was generations will be transformed. I'm going to build, ended up building my church. We read in Acts, talks of David, said, uh, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36, says, after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and, and his body decayed. But so, and the declaration is that, it was all about the resurrection, but the declaration is we live and we live for Christ in our generation. But the important thing is that we're called to pass on and pass on. Joshua you guys know the famous Joshua passage when he finally finishes all the work he's done. They've taken the promised land. He says those words, those famous words, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But before that, he says what? Choose you this day. Yeah, choose today whom you will serve. So he was, I'm, I'm going, I'm going, but I say to you again. And if I read the context, it says, fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors' worship where they live beyond the Euphrates. It goes on. It says, serve the Lord alone. And then he, then he finishes it. And they said, of course we will. And he said, well, live that on. My generation passes now into your generation. Okay. I'm going to read to you a, a psalm. And if you've got your Bible, Psalm 78, verses 4 to 7. This has just hit me like a, a freight train. So those things I, I know, you get Abraham, you get pass it on, and I know the stats are great, but this is the this is the psalmist's cry. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the gracious, about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and about his mighty wonders. For he issued the laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them them to their children so the next generation might know them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. I read that and that's the cry saying, we will not hide these truths. We will make this declaration. And, and, as a, and, a, and if, you, if you meditate on those words, you just things start to leap off the page. Even the children not yet born 
the next generation might must know these glorious things. Profound, isn't it? Apostle Paul said these words, and I've never read them in the context of what's going on right here in this neighbourhood and right here around us right now. He said these words in Romans chapter 15, verse 20. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of God has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by some someone else. I read that, you read that, and we've always thought about mission. I resolved to go and preach the gospel. I know that I've got a friend who went to Tibet because of this. I resolved to go and preach the gospel with the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. The name of Christ actually hasn't been heard. And we're hearing more and more and more. If you ask Keith, Chaplain Newish, you ask Jess, the kids in the schools have never heard because their parents have never heard. We've never had such an amazing opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, Jesus Christ to a generation that has never heard. And so when I, when I hear Paul saying, my ambition has always been to preach the good news but the name of Christ has never been heard. You guys know a lot about Great Western Cross because there's so many things that we partner with you. We have 13 chaplains just in heaven in public schools. 13 of them. We've got a high school chaplain now, Glenmore Park. And every, every couple of days a week, going into, the, into, into environments where people have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. The Ush has 150 families, 270 children, and services, eight schools. That's where we sit here right now. 150 families come to the Ush. So we've got 28, is that right, coming to the dinner, Keith? Uh, 28, yeah. 28. That's, that's, that's not including the church. Yep. People will be missioning on the night. But we actually have 150 families, potentially, who've never heard the gospel. Now, in the schools, we've got limits of what we can do. This place is actually, this is over at the Christian Child Center. We can sing Christmas carols, we can tell Christmas stories, we can tell Jesus stories, we can... 150 families, 270 children who want to be here. The waiting list is 30, just giving you the heads up. The waiting list to get into this place is 30 kids. Pretty cool, hey? So we go back to the, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. We will not hide these truths from our children. Sinclair has a population of 20,000. A quarter of the population, one in four, is high school age or under. In the Penrith region, um, I've got a, a graph. You can't see it. But I've got a graph which compares Penrith to the to Greater Sydney. And what you might be able to see is you see I've got red and I've got red and grey columns. Okay? Now the red columns is the Penrith region, the grey is the Sydney region. 
And this is percentage percentages of the so Sydney compared to the wider population, okay, in Australia, is that. And these are these are age groups. In the young age groups, Penrith has peeps. We have a massive population. And as we go on, as you go on, the, 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 the greater Sydney population in the, as the ages go on is a greater percentage than Penrith's percentage of the white population. Does that make sense? I'm trying to make sense. I'm not communicating very well. But all it is is that the red columns are really big up to about 25, and then they slowly, slowly come below the grey column. That's to say, when we're figuring out what we are as a church, we ask a question, don't we? Well, where are we? What's our place? And what's, it, what's, what's the mission for you? If you went on mission, um, you learn the language, yeah? You learn the culture. You understand, the, 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 you understand it all. So when we ask the question, what is the church? I love that we ask questions from the scriptures of what is the church, but I also know that we ask what is the church where we are. I love that, that when Paul goes into Athens, he speaks differently. He uses a lot of Greek language to connect with the people, to connect them to the resurrected Jesus. And then when, he'll go, when, he, when, he, when he goes into, because of, of the Gentile culture, when he goes into Jewish culture, he uses lots of Jewish law in his discussions. And that's us. And what I want to share, I guess, today is that I, we, we have been given by God an amazing opportunity. An amazing opportunity to share Jesus with a generation that's potentially hasn't heard. I just want to move on to a concept of passing the baton. Like I said, this is a new message for me, so it'll refine as I, as I go. But the heart, the passing the baton thing, is about the generational transition, but it's also about an understanding. I'm going to give you a bit of an illustration. We ask, it's not about us going, well, we're done, up to the next generation. But the illustration I use is this. So, when, when we pass a baton, um, the best way to pass a baton onto the next generation is to first finish your leg. Okay, so so it says teach the it says in Titus teach the older men to exercise self control to be worthy of respect and to live wisely. Uh, they must have sound faith, be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honours God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. That's written in Titus, and it's all about the older uh, the older men and women actually being a role model and actually passing on godliness to the next generation. So the first thing about passing baton is we've got to, we've got to actually finish the race. We've got to actually run our leg. Also says though to the younger, don't let anyone look this is in one Timothy. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you see, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So the analogy I want to give is that the older generation, we have to, we actually have to finish our race and finish well with godliness and pass on the character of Christ. And the younger generation is called to, to, to be living out an example to the older generation. It's actually, so when you're passing a baton, when, you, when, you, when you're actually passing a baton, you're running, but what's happening with the next runner? 
They stop running. They start running. Yeah. So we encourage so the younger generation starts to run. So to pass a baton well, both are running. And then there's a seat, there's a there's a time when if to do it really well that you're both running at full pelt. Isn't there? Together. Together, side by side. Side by side. So the reason I share that in the passing of a baton, sometimes we go passing of the baton is, well I'm done. Your turn, or we throw it. We can't, you can't throw it and catch. We, that's sometimes what we do. But the passing of a baton, that when we go from generation to generation, the teachings of the Bible are pretty clear that you model, you teach, you, you share, and then it's carried, carried on to the next generation. It says in Hebrews, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That's in both directions. And let us not neglect meeting together as some, in the, as some people do, but encourage one another especially more that the day of his return is drawing near. I read that in Hebrews and go, wow, we actually need to get together and we need to, we need to spur each other on. So question now, just in reflection. Back to when you became a believer, those of you who were younger, uh, under 20, I'm talking to you guys at the moment. Was there something, someone running alongside you? The past of that. How many of you can actually identify the community or the people that were running alongside you at that time when you made your second birthday? Put your hand up if you can remember that. It's huge. For those of you who made decisions after you were 20, was there a community or some people or, or somebody that actually introduced you to the love of Jesus Christ? Mostly. Sometimes, God, by His grace, gives someone a poor experience and Wow. But His general, the general teaching of Scripture is actually the running together and then the running on. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 and so we move from passing into the baton to cheering on. It's my third sort of thing I want to say today. In the last days God says I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will, will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. You know in, in the past, if I was asked of what is church, I probably would have said it. And I'm guaranteed that you've had a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Have you looked at that? And they, and they gathered there and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we look at that and we go, that's, that's, there's a picture. That's what we're after. And then we forget that that follows actually a message. A message is in Acts chapter 2 is shared. And part of that message is in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In other words, the generations will actually passionately declare, and if we go back to the psalm, declare the mighty works of God. If we go before Acts 2 verse 42 to 47, by the way, which I love that passage, we see people are hearing the gospel in languages that they understand. 
Imagine if we, to the next generation, talk the gospel into, 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 as a language that's understood by those around us. And I'll tell you now, it's not easy to communicate the gospel in contemporary society right now. Is it? It's not, it's not easy. But in Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on and you will be my witnesses. And it starts to happen. And it's right in our, it's right in our back door. I had a moment this week, and um, you guys are aware I'm a Penrith Baptist as well at the moment, and uh, we're looking at putting on maybe someone in the children's ministry role, and because some of the programs are, are going really well with the kids. And and the Talia, who's in the cafe there, she said to me, you know, it just took me aback, she said, Mark, and I don't know whether to be offended <laughs> or not, she said, Mark, we should just get a senior minister. You should be the kids' pastor. <laughs> That's happened to me a number of times now. <laughs> um, someone did a profile of Hawkesbury Valley, we were in Hawkesbury Valley, and, and uh, they had to do a free union assignment. And they were not in the church, they came from outside the church. Can we profile your church and for a union assignment? Sure. Yeah, they did that. And what came back in the profile? That Mark is a youth pastor trying to be a senior. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I took that as a. But the thing is, I think it's because I'm preaching this message for the first time today, but I've lived this out all my life. And my passion, I'm still Zooming with Nate. What's happening? Where to now? Still Zooming with Nate while he's overseas and talking together and praying together. What, 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 Nick? What's the next, gen, next generation? The person that leads Greater West Child Care is 30, Stephen Metcalf. They're still figuring it out. Um, I mentor Shannon King up the road. And that, that's all about declaring this to the next generation. And people will say, that's, Mark, that's what you're called to and all that. Yeah, yeah, sure, there's part of that. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's one person's call. Because I'm reading these, these scriptures and it's saying, pass on, pass on. I want to finish with one big thing. I have a son, Riley, who plays football and he plays it pretty well. And when he was 11, 12 years old, we had, we had this thing called 1v1. So Dad would go out in the backyard and we'd play football, 1v1. And it was, we had we could only score at one end of the pitch because I didn't want him to the the colour bond all around. So this one panel got smashed. Anyway, and we had a goal set up there. And so what happened was you had to, there's first to 10 and you had to dribble past each other and get a shot off, score a goal and you get a point. And if you used the goal, then that person goes, if you want, 1v1, you know 1v1. Anyway, he'd come out each time, 1v1 Dad, 1v1, 1v1, 1v1. Anyway, that's about, he's about 11 or 12, and because and, he was playing at a decent level, I would play like pretty hard and shove him into the garden and things like that. We're playing away, and what happened was, as we got older, well, as I got older, <laughs> he got older, by the time we were 13 or 14, it was first to 10, and I'd still win, because I started at 7. <laughs> so he bid 0, I'd bid 7, and, I, and, he, and he still said, I don't know how you're celebrating winning it. Get into 10 packs and get a seven goal lead. 
By the time he was 14, it was nine. I started at nine, he started at zero, and was first to 10. And by the time he was 15, um, about 15, 16, it, it didn't matter anymore. I just didn't score, and he scored all the time. But I still played 1v1, 1v1, 1v1. What happened then was that, that um, and they will tell you a story, that I moved, the 1v1s in the backyard were not helpful anymore for his development actually, because it was too easy. And I moved to the stands. So I moved to the stands. So I would watch his game from the stands. And Nate actually joined us for a futsal competition. And some of you guys know my oldest son, Colin, and he, 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 they pulled together a futsal competition. And so this is what happened. Riley, Connor, Nate and some others played them and I got to play in that team. This is going to all be very exciting for me. And they said, you're goalie. <laughs> so I went to goalie. Uh, I couldn't keep up and all the rest of it. But did I get threatened by any of that? Maybe. No, not really. Because what happened was, that was the plan. So as we pass the baton on to the next generation, what's the plan? The plan is to cheer. The plan is to support. The plan is to, we, we can't even, there'll be times we can't even run side by side. So we'll be running a big event here and there'll be a whole lot of people running around and you might be, uh, you might be doing the barbecue. You might be goalie while everybody else gets to play. It says in Hebrews chapter 12 these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, that's what we become. A huge crowd of witnesses. And we know that this is actually talking about a generation of witnesses. Witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So as we try to figure out the sort of church we're meant to be, we've got a cloud of witnesses watching us now who've run the race, who've passed the baton. Many of us have experienced the passing of that baton. And they're cheering us on. And it says, well, let, let, let's, let's, let's strip off every weight that slows us down. And it could be fear. It could, that's, that's, it could be lethargy. Um, I, I, t I tend to go to the, what are the sins that capture me or, or, or stop me from doing the mission? Generally fear, laziness, and immorality. We lay those sorts of things down. We know the sin that will so easily entangle us. We lay those down and we run with perseverance till we end up in the crowd, till we end up in the, in the grandstands cheering on the next generation. I hope this has been helpful. Um, I'm just throwing it into the discernment mix. As we figure out who we are as a church, We'll talk about worship, we'll talk about community, we'll talk about missions. Can we actually add the word generations? Let's go back, I'm going to read that passage again from Psalm, from Psalm, Psalm 78, verse 4 to 7. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For he, he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. 
and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hopes on you on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. I'm going to invite Jess to come up and sing, but does anyone have any questions? Because this is a work in progress for me. Or any reflection. Yeah, just when you're talking, it just, uh, it just reminded me, just with the generations and that, because we've been teaching scripture at Blackwell School for many, many years now, I don't know how many years. Yeah. And, um, and the school has been, praise God, the, it's, I think it's from the top down, it's really what uh, affects the openness of the school, and Mrs. Hudson has always been so supportive of scripture. Yeah. But um, um, just that um, I have a chance on Wednesday to give Bibles to the children. So these children have been coming. Um, I teach year five and six, about 30 of them every week. And so just your point earlier about uh, what's happening around here. So there are things happening. Yeah, yeah. But it's exciting to know that the kids come the teachers are so supportive, but then now there's this opportunity for God's word to actually go into um, students yeah. and things. So I'm just asking for prayer yeah. <laughs> and for the word of God through the Bibles in the children's hands as they go into these homes. Mm. For the Lord to just really use it. I just oh, and when I come here, it's interesting, I came here with this message knowing that it's right here. When, 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 what, what some churches would give to have 270 kids connected or, or, or families connected to, to their church just every day. Two chaplaincies, SRE in schools, um, across the road from McDonald's. The next generation is, is here. It's amazing. Um, and my encouragement, um, I guess part of it's, it's a personal story for me, but I don't think just because people say you're a, you should be youth or children's pastor or all the rest of it, that, that's not abnormal. I don't think that needs to be an abnormal thing. Um, yes, I like kids and, and all that sort of stuff, but, but it, it's a conviction. Um, and I think this church has it deep. Has, has generations is deep in this church. I haven't even asked if any of you were involved in starting memory school because I know some of you were. This is that it's the DNA. And I guess as we as we figure out who we are in the church, remember the, the the way God's wired this place. It's always had a massive this. You know, some of you were in St. Mary's when schools were started, when this place was established. It's in the DNA. And there's another generation that needs to, needs to benefit from it. Alright, yes, I'm going to get to pray, pray on the pray, Lord. I thank you, thank you so much that you are, I believe you're giving us a, a big call to, a, to an incredible opportunity. Um, and Jesus, if we know your nature... You would never stop the peace coming. And I pray for Sinclair, um, and I pray for all of us as we discern our future. I pray we would, we would hear your voice, we would be your church, and we would understand the power 
of generations declaring to generations. And lead us, lead us in that. Open doors. Pray for scripture in schools. I pray for chaplaincy in schools. I pray for this St. Clair Bush. I pray for the upcoming dinner. I pray, Lord Jesus, that St. Clair Baptist Church will be known for its missional and love and investment in the next generation. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish with Fix Our Eyes. If you'd like to stand and sing, you're welcome to. If you'd like to sit and reflect, you can do it. Yeah.